Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 will be my uh, start here this morning. But it says this, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God the Father sent his only Son to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, sinless and perfect in every area and aspect of his life. Yet he faced the most heinous and criminal death that man could ever imagine. This perfect man stood trial on five separate occasions, being bound and dragged from one to the next, not to proclaim his own innocence, but with meekness and humility he laid his life down that you and I could be called not guilty. The only way this morning that we could understand this, this, this title of not guilty was if there were a spotless lamb. And today we celebrate Easter because Jesus laid his life down as the sacrifice on our behalf as the spotless lamb. So this morning, if you would go with me, and I don't know if you take your mind there, I, I'm not going to be too theatrical, but if you take your mind to that place where Jesus would have, uh, initially he was uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying. And if you remember the story, he had told the disciples to wait and, and go and pray and wait and, I'll, and we'll come back together. And Jesus begins to pray and he goes back to the disciples and what are they doing but sleeping, right? Jesus goes back and he says, you can't even wait. And he goes back and he, let's do this again. Let's try this again. He goes back to pray and he, he goes back to the disciples and they're sleeping again. And we know the story. He does that several times. And about this time, uh, the, the men come, the centurion soldiers come and they, they begin to arrest Jesus. And we kind of pick up the story with Annas and the trial at Annas. And it says this, then took they him and led him away to Annas first. For he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that, that same year. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple whither the Jews always resort. And in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I say, or what I said. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Now Annas had sent him bound unto Caiaphas the high priest. And they led him and brought him into the high priest's home. Jesus, here in this place, was, was brought to Annas. And Jesus was, was questioned, why? What are you teaching these disciples? What have you told the disciples? And the men begin to ask, or ask Jesus this question. And, and he simply looks at them and he says, I have only ever spoken publicly in the synagogue where all of them have ever been. Why don't you go... To those that have heard me speak. Go to them and ask them what I have said. 
There has never been anything that I have taught that has been in private. He says, go to them. And then, and then out of frustration, one of the men comes and smacks Jesus upon his face. And he, he hits Jesus. And they ask him, why are you speaking to Annas this way? Why would you speak to him this way? And he simply responds, if I have said something wrong, if I have spoken ill, if I have been disrespectful, or if I've spoken out of anger, if I've done any of those things, then prove it. But otherwise, if I have spoken well, why are you hitting me? Here the very first time Jesus is brought to trial and unto Annas, we see there was nothing of guilt that was laid before Jesus. And as we read there at the very end, it says, and they led him bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest. And they that had laid hold on Jesus and led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes were assembled. And the chief priests and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. For many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. But at the last came two false witnesses and said, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple of God made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. And the high priest stood up in the midst and and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? But Jesus held his peace and answered nothing. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the blessed? Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, I am. Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. And here Jesus has went before Caiaphas and Jesus stood before them and the elders and the scribes. And as they were all there together, they began to listen to all of the false testimony and all the false witnesses that were coming and saying all the things that Jesus had done. And it says this in that passage or those passages of scripture that they could not agree together as to what exactly Jesus had done. Finally, somebody stood up and said, but he said that he would tear down the temple that was built with hands and he would rebuild it again in three days. Caiaphas thought, well, that's the one. That's what we can hold him on. And it says, even in that, those that spoke of it could not come together to agree exactly what it was that he had done. Jesus, again, standing before these people, the elders and the chiefs, or the elders and the priests and the scribes, and he stands before all of them, and they begin to ask him the question, are you the Son of God? And he, and he responds back to them, you say that I am. Again, as he stands before these men on trial, not one of them can point a finger and say, this is what he has done. And they take him from there and it says here in this next passage that he goes before the Sanhedrin. It says, and straightway, when the morning was come, as soon as it was day, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council came together and led him into their council saying, art thou the Christ? 
Tell us. And he said unto them, If I tell you, ye will not believe. And if I also ask you, ye will not answer me, nor let me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. Then said they all, Art thou then the Son of God? And he said unto them, Ye say that I am. And they said, What need we any further witness? For we ourselves have heard of his own mouth. All the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. Jesus again standing before yet another trial of men. The Sanhedrin. And he is questioned, are you the Christ? And he says, if ye say, or if I say yes, you won't believe me. Jesus is standing there and he said, if I say yes, you won't believe me. If I do this, if I do that, nothing that I say will help. Nothing will plead my call. I can't do anything because regardless of what I say, regardless of what I do, you're going to do what? You're going to call me guilty of doing something that I've never done. But yet Jesus stood there and they asked him that question, are you the Christ? And he says, ye say that I am. And they take that statement and they say that is what he is guilty of because he's now proclaiming to be God. This man will be put to death. From there, Jesus, these men were given all the ammo that they thought that they needed to claim or to call him guilty. So they call him guilty and they say that he has to be put to death. And if you know anything about the Jewish culture, the, 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 the situation there at hand is the Jewish culture, they could not kill anybody. So they had to take him outside of Jerusalem and they take him to Pilate. And when they had bound Jesus, the whole multitude of them arose and led him away from Caiaphas under the hall of judgment and delivered him unto Pontius Pilate, the governor. And it was early, and they, they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus stood before the governor and answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, It is rightly as you say. 
To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man at all. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all the Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. And when he was accused of many things of the chief priests' elders, he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly." This morning we continue in this, this thought, this, the, the trials of Christ, and we come to this place of Pilate, and Pilate begins to ask these questions. Why are you bringing this man to me? You judge him, and they reply back, we have. These are all the things that he's done. He won't even hail to Caesar. Caesar is the king. As we continue to go on, Pilate comes to the place and he says, I find no fault in this man. All of those that were gathered around began to say, but, but this is what he's doing. He's stirring up the people. He's, he's rattling the people. He's telling them all of these things and he's, he's going through all of this stuff and he's, he's blaspheming and he's all of these things. Pilate says, I find no fault. And he goes back into Jesus and he says, listen, listen. Do you not understand all of the things that they are putting against you? You need to stand up for yourself. You need to speak of these things. You, you, you're going to die. And it says what? Jesus said not a word. Pilate himself, the one that had the authority to say, you're going to die. You're going to be put upon a cross. The one that had the authority on earth to say that thing is saying, listen, you've not done anything. I can't find a single thing that you've done. Will you not just stand up and speak for yourself? And it goes to the end and it says, and he marveled greatly. We come to Luke where it says, when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him. And he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. And he the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together for before 
they were at enmity between themselves. And again, we see this storyline continuing on that Jesus would stand in silence. Jesus would not speak on behalf of himself. Jesus would not fight these men. He would not come to these men and say, this is what I am. He would not do what he had the power to do, which was at a snap of a finger, strike them dead or to say the go away or any of those things. Jesus remained silent yet again in the midst of trial After trial, after trial, after trial. And we come to the last trial that Jesus would go to. And he comes before Pilate yet again as Herod sending back to Pilate. And he says this. Now at the feast of the governor was wont to release unto unto the people a prisoner. Whomever they requested. And they had... Then a notable prisoner, a robber named Barabbas, Barabbas, which lay bound with them, that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in a certain sedition made in the city. Therefore, when they were gathered together, the multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Whom will ye that I release unto you? Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ. Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverted the people. And beholding, I, have ex- having examined him before you in front of you, have found no fault in this man touching those things whereof ye accuse him. No, nor yet Herod For I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. For of necessity he must release one unto them at the feast. But the chief priests and the elders moved the people that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And the governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas. Not this man, but Barabbas. Pilate, therefore willing to release Jesus, answered and called out to to them again, What will ye then that I shall do unto him, whom ye call the king of the Jews? Jews, but they shouted and cried out again, saying to him, Let him be crucified. Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. Then Pilate, wherefore, took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate, therefore, went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth 
wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, of the officers saw him, they were insistent and cried out all the more, demanding with loud voices, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him. For I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went out again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and I have power to release thee? And Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. This morning we read all of those passages of Scripture kind of brought together into one storyline. I know it was a lot of reading, it was a lot of Scripture, but if there is one thing that is very clear all throughout Scripture, it is that deliverance requires sacrifice. And in Scripture, salvation can only come by the blood shed through sacrifice. This sacrifice is what we have just looked at. These trials proving over and over and over and over again that Jesus was not a guilty man, but Jesus stood before each one of those men and each one of those people that stood before him as an innocent man. They threw everything at him. They tried to convict him of everything that they could. They caused him, or they they brought false witnesses in after witness after witness, and each one of them proved to be false. Each one of them, none of them could come together to agree on anything to put this man to death. Pilate would then stand before him and say, but Jesus, please, do you not know, do you not understand all of the things, all the accusations that are coming against you? Would you just speak? Would you stand up for yourself? Jesus would stand and say, not a word. Over and over and over again. Jesus took each one of those trials as the sacrifice, as the substitution for each and every one of us. See, as we continue to read, I love the end of that passage there where Pilate says unto Jesus, you know, you do understand that I am the one that has the power to release you. I am the one that has the power to to say the word and you'll be put on a cross. And Jesus says it, what? Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. In John 10 and 18, it says this, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. As we read all of these things, there's so many things that go through my mind as I studied this and as I read this all week. And I've thought through this series or this sermon for quite some time. And as I began to put all these things together, I I could not help but think 
of how many times, though I've never stood trial in the court of law, I've never been to Las Vegas County and stood before a judge, I've never done any of those things, but I've been put on trial time and time and time and time again, just as every one of us has. And you do understand, if you are anything like me, which I'm sure that you are, the moment that somebody brings something against you, we instantly, almost without a thought in it, we begin to do what? Justify why we have said what we have said. We begin to argue our cause and say, well, well, but this is why I said that, or this is why I have done that thing. You know what I've done many times? I've said, hey, would you help me be a better leader? Would you help me be a better person? And as you see something, would you bring it to me so that I could do better? And somebody might bring me something and I would say, but this is why. I've trusted somebody. I've trusted people to say, Pastor, hey, you may want to consider this. And you know what I'll do? Without even batting an eye, right when they begin to tell me or try to help me, I'll say, but... This is why I've done that. It's not out of disrespect. It's not that I don't want to become better. It's not that I don't want our church to become better. But naturally, as a human being, I have to justify the reasons why I do what I do. And Jesus is standing before the Sanhedrin. He's standing before the elders and the scribes and the priests and everybody that's ready to put him to death. And Pilate is saying, but you've done nothing. And he does absolutely nothing about it. And he stands there. He doesn't justify to them who he is. He doesn't try to teach them, hey, but these are all of the things and this is why I have this power. This is why I'm doing these things. He doesn't try to justify anything. He just stands there and says, as you say, you say that I am. And he stands silent. When time and time again, I, I just want to fight. I'm going to argue because here's how I am. And just like many of you, listen, I want you to like me. I want you to like me. You know what? Jesus didn't come to the earth being like, yeah, I just, I want everybody to hate my guts. He was still a human being with emotions. But he had one goal and one purpose, and it was to honor his father. He had one goal and one purpose, and in honoring his father, he was going to go through everything that he knew that he had to go through, knowing that that end was death. He had the power to say the right thing to, to calm the people that were there. I guarantee you he had the eloquence of speech to make everybody in the room Love him. Have you ever been in a, in a group of people and the guy that stands on the stage just can, with the power of words, just take everybody right in with him? Just a great orator. Speaks eloquently. He had, he's Jesus. But he knew one thing. See, in John 1 and 29, it says it this way, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 
It says it again just a few verses later. Again, behold the Lamb of God. See, Jesus knew that he was coming not to fight those men. He knew that he was coming. He knew that he had the authority and the power. He could have just smacked his hands together. They all would have fell. He could have done anything. He had that power. He had that authority. But he knew that he was coming to be the propitiation, the sacrifice. He knew that he was coming to substitute his life for yours. To take on the sin of the world on his shoulders as the Lamb of God. So that you and I could one day be called not guilty. As I was laying in bed about a week and a half ago, maybe a little bit, maybe it wasn't quite a week and a half ago, I began to, I was going through this sermon in my head and I couldn't help but think of several things throughout Scripture where men were guilty, where men were stood trial. And they did the complete opposite of Jesus. If you'd give me about five, ten more minutes, maybe 30 or 40, depending on how this goes. I just want to wrap up with a couple quick points. My first one is this, and you can put your name here, you can put your thing here. I just put this, I am Adam. I am Adam. See, Adam and Eve, and we know the story, most of you know the story, Adam and Eve, perfect, living in, in a complete perfect world, which none of us can understand, in the midst of the Garden of Eden, and God basically said, you can do anything you want, you can, you can eat anything, you can do whatever, just don't, t- don't eat this, don't eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. You've heard the story, right? We all know what happens. Adam and Eve chose to eat of that fruit. So the serpent was there and the serpent was, was doing what, what he does. He deceives and he disguises and he, he does all of those things. And in Genesis 3 and verse 8 it says this, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, what does it say? They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Never before did Adam and Eve ever recognize or think of the fact of their nakedness. Never before. So Adam and Eve are walking together and they're in the garden and they're doing the things, whatever it is that they were doing in the garden, completely naked. And it never crossed their mind that they were completely naked because their eyes were pure. Their minds were pure. There was no anger. There was no lust. There was none of those things. And all of a sudden they grab the the fruit and they begin to eat of the fruit. And instantly they recognize their sinfulness and instantly lust consumes them and instantly pride consumes them. And instantly there becomes anger and worry and jealousy. And what do they do? They go and they hide themselves. No one had to tell them. No one had to do anything. They instantly knew why. Because at that point, they became guilty. I don't know what that must have been like. I don't know if something came over their eyes. I don't know what happened to their minds. I don't know. I will never know. But instantly, 
the first thing that they did was begin to hide themselves. And when God comes down into the cool of the garden, in the cool of the day, he says, Hey, Adam! Adam! Hey, where are you? All I can say today is, there's been many a time, many a time in my life that I have just kind of wanted to go hide. I just want to go kind of climb over here and just hide away because the guilt of my sin has so consumed me, not because somebody saw it, not because anybody recognized that I did anything wrong. It could be in the quietness of my own room. It could be in the quietness with nobody around me, whatever it was, nobody even recognizes. But here I am all the way in the corner and I'm just hitting as, uh, hiding as God is saying, Hey, Aaron, Aaron. I'm consumed with guilt. Consumed with it. I am Adam. I am Jonah. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the the story of Jonah. Jonah, we know the story, many of you know the story, but Jonah was called to go and to preach, and Jonah did not want to go and preach the story, or preach the gospel where, where he was going, which was a nasty and a wicked place, and so Jonah did what many of us do. I remember very vividly my call in ministry was between my junior and senior year of high school, and I did everything that I could to not go into ministry. I knew God's call on my life. I decided to do what I wanted to do. But Jonah pays out of his own money and he goes and he he finds a ship and he finds a place that's going as far away from where he was called to go. And Jonah gets on that boat and he begins to sail away. And Jonah, out in the middle of the sea, and in, in chapter 1 of Jonah, in verses, it's really the about that entire chapter, this, the beginning of this story. But he says, he said unto them, I am an Hebrew because as the waves begin to crash and as peep, as the, the storm was going, all of the men on that boat were beginning to get scared. And they basically said, hey, pray out to your God. And everybody was praying out to their God except Jonah was at the bottom of the ship sleeping. They go down and they get Jonah and they said, hey, what's going on? And he says, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. And in verse number 12, it says this, And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Have you been there? Have you just fled from God? You ran from God? You did whatever it was that you kind of knew the opposite was? Maybe you weren't even fleeing from God, but you knew the wrong was there. And this man, here he is at the bottom of the ship, at the bottom of the boats, sleeping while everyone else is scared for their life. And he says, hey, you know what? Here's why this is happening. I am a Hebrew, and I fear the God. I fear God Almighty. You know, the God that, that created the sea. The God that is creating the storm. And he says, you know what? If you just take me up, throw me overboard, all of these things will go away. I've never had the thought that I could just be thrown overboard and everything will go away. But there's been many times 
in my journey of running and going the opposite direction and hiding down somewhere because of my guilt and knowing that I have to change this. I am the cause of this. That at some point I'll say, all right, God, throw me overboard. Hey, just toss me overboard so we can, we can deal with this. And my last thought this morning, the last person, which is actually in the midst of all of the passages of Scripture that I read, is I am Peter. In the midst of all of these trials, really, if we look at the very beginning, which I didn't go through on these passages in Matthew 26, we see that that Peter had denied Jesus. 26 and verse 70 says, I don't know what you're talking about when he was confronted about this man. Aren't you with them? And I don't know what you're talking about. And then in 72, just another couple verses later, he says, I do not know this man. And finally, in verse 74, he begins to get angry and he begins to actually curse. And he says, I don't know him. Immediately, he walks outside and he knew, he knew, he knew. And the cock crow. For Jesus had told him, you'll deny me three times and the cock will crow. Listen, this morning we read all of these stories and I I pray that this all comes together to make sense. But Jesus, time and time again, there was five different times that Jesus stood trial before some of the same people. Because Jesus was being called guilty of something that Jesus never did. But yet Jesus, in his perfection, Jesus in knowing his, his plot in life as to why he came and why he, was, why he left glory and why he left perfection to come down the earth was to take on the sin that I had caused. To take all of that guilt that I was living with. To take all of the anger. To take all of the worry and all of the lust. And all of the the lying and the stealing. And the things that we saw on those little signs. The jealousy and all of that. That Jesus stood before trial and he said. Nothing. So that one day. One day. Aaron. Could stand before him. And God will look at me. And he'll not see. The wicked. Wretched man that I am. He will not see. All of the filth. And all of the things that I have said. And all of the hurt that I have caused. And all of the different things. He will not see all of those things. He will not say. But Aaron you did this, 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 this. Listen the list that's a bazillion miles long. Because he knows everything. He will not call that before me. But he will look at Jesus. And the blood of Jesus will have washed over me. And he will say here he is. Why? Because my name is in the Lamb's book of life. And when I was guilty. He stood innocent before man but yet claimed guilt not for himself but for me see Jesus when he was tied to the to the pole or tied to the big the rock that he would have been in the middle and Jesus was being beaten he could have spoken 
When Jesus was on trial after trial after trial, he could have spoken, he could have done any of those things, but he came as the spotless lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, which is yours and mine. And in his innocence, he allowed himself to be called guilty so that you and I could one day stand trial before God and be called not guilty. See, this morning as I conclude, I get that I didn't go through the entire story of Easter. Because Jesus would leave that place where they screamed out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And Jesus would carry his own cross up to Golgotha's hill. And Jesus would walk. Somebody else would eventually help him. And they would nail those three nails, or they would hammer those three nails into his hands and into his feet. And he would be hung, and he would be lifted up and dropped into that hole where he would hang and die. An innocent man yet guilty because of my sin. This morning as I wrap up, I can stand before God this morning knowing without a shadow of a doubt that one day I will meet Him in heaven and He will say, you're not guilty. Because there's a time in my life that I came to a place where I recognized my own sinfulness. I recognized that I have failed. I recognize that I am guilty. And I would come to a place, for me it was... I've shared the story many times. For me it was at Cuddy's Sunset Park in Marlboro, Ohio... Where after a vacation Bible school, I sat in our trailer part, or trailer as we were, uh, doing a semi vacation. And I sat in that trailer and I asked my mom to tell me a little bit more where I prayed to ask Jesus Christ into my heart. I recognized my sinfulness. And I came to a place that I also recognized that Jesus Christ took my place. And as I placed my belief, as I placed my faith in Him, and I trusted that Jesus lived a perfect life, and I trusted that that He went to the cross to, to cover, to be the sacrifice for my sins, and that not only did He go and die upon a cross, but that three days later He rose again, which is why we celebrate today, is that in that resurrection, He conquered death, He conquered hell, and He conquered the grave, He conquered sin, He conquered all of those things for me. That I could live, I've said it many, many times, eternal life is to know Jesus. And I'm so grateful that as a young man over the last 
year or so that I've begun to really understand eternal life started the day that I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I began to day by day begin to know Him. Yes, I have failed and no, I am not perfect, but I am so falling in love with Jesus. I'm praying every day. I'm trying. I'm praying every day. I do pray every day, but I'm trying every day to grow closer and to more closer and to more intimacy so that I know Him in a better way because eternal life is right now because I can know him today and all of these things that we saw this morning all of these different signs jealousy and cheating and pride and lying and bullying and worry and all of the things the addictions all of the things that we face that we cry ourselves to sleep over that we're angry over that we worry over that we live guilty over Jesus said, Aaron, you're forgiven. Now go and live a free life. Because my blood has covered that sin. My death and resurrection has conquered that sin. Aaron, don't live defeated anymore. Aaron, you don't have to live a guilty life because I have declared you not guilty, not because of what you've done, but because of what my son did on the cross and because he rose again. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you, or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great day.